Bad snap. Bobble. Oh, scoops oh. up. Here come the Spartans. Touchdown, MSU. From WDBM East Lansing, you're listening to the Green and White Report, a production from Impact Sports. This is your source for sports news, debates, and more for Michigan State, Detroit, and the rest of the sports world. Good morning, East Lansing. Good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you are from and how, whatever time you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to the temporary format Green and White Report. Your host, Luke Sloan, alongside co-host Nathan Stearns from Saline, Michigan, not the Impact 89 FM studios in East Lansing, a temporary format due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But we are getting creative and we are going to talk some sports. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Obviously, with the COVID-19 epidemic kind of really putting the professional sports landscape on a back burner, I was wondering how we were going to be able to do this. But I think we got a really good format for tonight. Obviously, a little bit different than our normal green and white format, live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. from the Impact 89 FM studios in East Lansing. We are sitting on your couch in Saline, Michigan. I'm three feet from your cat right now, but we are still going to roll on and talk sports as we continue to navigate this pandemic and this tough time for the sports world. Temporary format for the Green and White Report. We cannot enter the studio due to the pandemic, so in the meantime, we will be rotating co-hosts there'll be lots of members of the sports team at impact kind of shuffling in and out of the lineup new each and every week podcasts about 30 to 45 minutes dropped every sunday at 11 a.m like normal when the show would take place but we're going to roll on and talk some sports obviously i don't think we'd uh, be able to start any edition of the green and white report live or recorded without uh, giving a shout out to the, the former hosts of this show ryan rabinowitz and julian mitchell listening out there both recent Michigan State graduates we love Rabs and Julian doesn't it feel weird though like it really feels like we're back in East Lansing at the studio like when you mentioned the term green and white report that has become analogous with Ryan Rabinowitz and Julian Mitchell and now that they're gone it's like where do we go from here because they've had an odd lockdown the last two years and now we're all of a sudden people like you're gonna have to be uh, picking up the pieces it won't be the same next year without Ryan and Julian. Obviously, the Green and White Report was just kind of a baby of a, a live radio show before they took it over, like you said, when they were both juniors during their junior year. They've grown and developed the show so much. And, you know, studios, you know, Sunday mornings in the studio next year aren't going to be the same uh, rolling in there. No, it's not. But then the show must go on. The we're, show must go on. We're super excited for next year, you know, starting in fall 2020. Ryan Collins, producer, you listen to him every morning on 88.9. He's going to slide over to the host chair. He'll be joined by Trent Bally, sports editor in the co-host chair. And behind the glass, fill-in producer Henry Menegos is going to be the permanent producer. So we have a great crew lined up for this fall. But until then, we're going to bridge the gap. We'll see when we can get back live in the studio. But until then, we'll uh, record and, and continue to roll on with some new voices. I'm looking forward to it. How are we holding up here in quarantine? What have we been up to lately? What have you been up to, Nathan? Went back to Home Depot. That's been a really interesting sort of transition from the pandemic ending, obviously needing money for rent. And as you said, our station hours have kind of been cut down because of what we're able to do and what we're not able to do. So I've actually worked at Home Depot the last two summers as a lot associate. And I've gone back and it's a really good way to stay in shape. And at least for me, you really learn a lot about yourself and you really learn a lot about the real world in a job like that. I'm also taking non-credit hours. I have a music class going on right now that it's kind of interesting to be completely honest with you, but by the same time, uh, not the biggest fan of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. I mean, that I still have that not playing on my head. No, no, I have that playing on my head over and over. The only reason I took it was because it's an easy two-credit class. And it's an almost a guaranteed four point. And the, perhaps the thing that I'm most mixed about is the opportunity that I had to go to Charlotte. I had an internship lined up with ESPN Charlotte, and now they moved me remotely. So I've been doing a lot of work for them online, but I was looking forward to going down there and kind of being in the station, like as you, you know, as you alluded to earlier. We're doing the green and white live, but it's not the same as being in the station, surrounding yourself with the guys that you work with every day and that you've 
you really grow to love. So that's really been sort of a hard transition. It's something that I'm still feeling out. We only started that a couple weeks ago, but as time goes on and as the virus kind of runs its course, I'm hope, hoping that they'll start giving me more to do. What about you? Well, I, I'm following in your footsteps going to the Home Depot. My, uh, my summer job last summer at the car wash, unfortunately, was uh, not able to be retained this summer due to the pandemic. But uh, I'm uh, pushing shopping carts around. We both had a long day. This podcast is being recorded about 9.30 p.m. Saturday night. We both had a long day at the Home Depot. But other than that, staying busy, trying to do some fun quarantine activities, reading, walking, trying to exercise, obviously finishing up online classes for the, the spring semester. But holding up okay. What what are you what are your favorite quarantine activities that we've uh, been doing so far? Well, as you know, Luke, me and Sloan are big fans of going out and throwing a baseball around because there's actually a park not too terribly far from here and it's a great way to get exercise. And you and me used to do that when we were in high school. We did that when we were freshmen in college. So that's something that we've been doing a lot of, um, and then obviously running down to the local speedway to get a giant slushy. Not sure if that's ne- necessarily considered essential, but by the same token, it's also a, build, a bit of a guilty pleasure for me. But another thing I've really gotten into, and I know this is going to sound corny, I have been watching like all the archives of 45 seasons worth of SNL skits. Like I think I have seen every Chris Farley skit known to mankind on SNL. Like, it, it, it's just, it's so funny to watch. Like, you see something from 25 years ago and screaming, I'm in a van down by the river, still has the same comedic appeal that it did 20 years ago. And at least for me, that's been taking up a lot of my time, and I love that. I think you've been an, an old SNL skit fan since even before the pandemic started. Uh, thinking back to Rather Hall, which we were, unfortunately had to abandon, Brody Neighborhood. Shameless plug, Brody Neighborhood, best residence halls in the MSU community. But I think you were an old SNL fan before this pandemic hit. You know, it's something that I've gotten into. And the really good thing with YouTube is that I don't have to rent any CDs. I don't have to do anything like that. And I know I'm a cheapskate because I'll even wait for movies to come out. And if you give movies a long enough time, they will put them on YouTube so you don't have to pay for it. Sure, I might have to wait five years to see the Black Panther, but at least I can do it free. And when you're a college student and you have an unhealthy obsession with Subway like I do, you kind of have to balance what you spend your money on. This, you know, this podcast, this edition of the Green and White Report's taking on a real Celine flair. We got uh, two Celine High School class of 2018 graduates behind the mic sitting in Celine, Michigan right now. Your cat is, like I said, about three feet from me as we sit on your couch and record this podcast. Lovely snuggles, lovely snuggles. But I think we should get to some sports. I think that's what people came to listen to us for. That sounds perfect. We'll get to the stuff that we canceled first. Sporting events canceled or delayed due to the coronavirus pandemic that we missed the most. You know, there's been so many events, you know, specific events or tournaments that that have been canceled or delayed. Some of them we'll be able to watch in different formats as, as time goes on. But we each have three of our favorite sporting events or tournaments that have been delayed or canceled due to the pandemic. We'll go one at a time. Nathan, you can lead it off. Well, I'm going to start off with one that may seem a little silly, and that's NFL minicamp. Because for someone like me, who is a devout Carolina Panther fan, as everybody who's listened to the Green and White Report knows, Matt Rule and Carolina are in this transitionary period. And it's that first offseason, those first several weeks, couple months of voluntary workouts, where everything is so essential, where you have your defensive staff, your offensive staff that meets with your young players, that meets with your draft picks, in the case of Carolina, seven draft picks. And the thing that I really missed was I just wanted to see, as cliche as it sounds, I wanted to see those workout videos. I wanted to see that team melding. Because as a Panther fan, I know that Derek Brown, that Yatur Grossmatos, Jeremy Chin, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Shaq Thompson, I could go on and on. Those are the guys that need to get together and really start to feel each other out because those are the guys who I hope are going to carry the Panthers into that next elite level. And for someone like me, the offseason, especially for a a rebuilding team, is almost, I, I feel weird saying this, but it's almost as enticing as the regular season because 
this is the time when you get to put your stamp on a program. You get to come in and tell your players what you're all about. And when that 53 or, in, I guess, 55-man roster, now that the CBA has been sort of redacted and changed, this is those 55 men are going to be rule guys. And I know that those 55 men are going to be guys with talent, guys that work hard. I just wanted to see that sort of continuation process that I've gotten so used to seeing over the years. But I mean, the virtual meetings and Zoom meetings like we're doing are kind of where everything's going at this point. So we'll just have to see how it goes. I didn't think we were going to make it through this podcast with a lot, at least one Carolina Panthers reference. <laughs> Looking at you, uh, Impact Sports uh, men's soccer reporter Adam Baker, fellow uh, impactor that enjoys the Carolina Panthers. But I know no, you he, enjoy, he enjoys Cam Newton. He doesn't enjoy the Panthers. Let's get something very, very clear. Until he suffered – through the 2-14 and 14 Jimmy Clausen season, I don't want to hear it. Actually, there's a story I'd like to say about Jimmy Clausen. When me and my mother went to Panther Fan Day, which is kind of what the equivalent, well, I don't know whatever the Lions call it, but when you'd go to Allen Park, I remember I went with you one year, and you could sit around and get autographs and watch practice. They were, It used to be free. I don't think it's free anymore, but you could go to Bank of America Stadium, and after practice, the players would come around on the field and you have all the kids that run into the first row and want their footballs, helmets, whatever it may be, autographed. And I remember that I wanted Jimmy Clausen's autograph. And as he's walking away, I take a football and I peg him in the ear and he turns around and glares at me. And then he realized I was only 10 or 10 or 11 at the time. And then he just kind of sullenly signed his signature on the football and threw it back to me. But that was probably one of the weirdest moments of my life. Like, I like to say that I was the reason that Jimmy Clausen was so horrendous that year. Three touchdowns and nine interceptions. I still remember. They went two and 14. So, I remember things like that. I do remember things like that. But, no, I don't consider Baker a real Panther fan. Jimmy Clausen, if you're listening somewhere out there, I'm not sure where you live right now. I know your football days are behind you, but – on the behalf of Michigan State Student Radio, we'd like to apologize for the actions of sports editorial assistant Nathan Stearns at that uh, training camp, after the training camp incident that we'll call it uh, back down in Charlotte. That, that was a very interesting moment. I know you probably can't top that, but go ahead with your opening day, Skip. I won't be able to top uh, throwing a ball at a famous college quarterback turned NFL bust, but my first uh, sporting event that's been canceled or delayed due to the coronavirus pandemic is, is opening day across Major League Baseball. Now, I haven't uh, thrown a baseball or an object onto the field and, and hit an athlete, but I have been to two opening days at uh, Comerica Park before. Opening day, especially in Detroit, is, is a holiday. I mean, it's tailgating like football. It's a, a packed stadium, even when the team isn't as good like in recent years. And I was happy that I was able to take part in two of those. I mean, even if the Tigers open up like on the road, like they were supposed to against the Cleveland Indians this year, opening day for me is a day when I can sit on my couch and watch baseball from noon to 2 a.m. from coast to coast. And it was really a shame getting robbed of that this year. Especially considering where Detroit is going. This year, obviously, probably not going to do anything. But just what's coming down the pipeline with Matt Manning, with Casey Mize, with Tarek Skubal, like this year for the Tigers, you realize this is the last opening day before you probably see those guys in the rotation day one of next year. And obviously with spring training being cut short, even when you know your team's most likely going to struggle like Detroit would have this year, there's a degree of optimism. We saw C.J. Crone, Jonathan Scope raking in the – spring training down in Lakeland. But with that cancel, who knows what's going to happen? It was just devastating, too, to see the players ramping up to go in spring training, getting ready for an 162-game season, a grind, and then for it to be halted to a stop. Definitely one of the things that I've missed the most when we've lost sports due to the pandemic. Well, it's probably my turn to give my second overall selection, and that for me is the NBA draft. Part of the reason why I chose this was because it's sort of a the final swan song sort of event in a college basketball player's collegiate career. Cassius Winston obviously leaving. We'll talk about Xavier Tillman and Aaron Henry in a little bit. But if those two 
end up going pro and they end up getting drafted. And that's kind of it. That's like the final note in a musical. That's the final mile in a 10,000 mile drive. I actually, I don't know if you can drive anywhere that's 10,000. I think if you go through Spain, but. And the other reason why I chose the NBA draft and Luke, this is something I know as a Piston fan, you can relate to on a spiritual level, is when you have an NBA franchise that constantly mismanages contracts and is constantly plundered for profit. I had a and feeling the Charlotte Hornets were going to be mentioned. Well, I'm saying as the Pistons and the Hornets, because we're they're both in sort of the same category. But on a larger scale, okay, the NBA draft is one of the only events – for struggling team fans like you and me, where you look and say, okay, we can get better today. Like, no, we might not win next year. We might, might not win the year after. But if you add someone like a James Wiseman or you add someone like an Anthony Edwards, then at least for those brief few hours after the draft, you feel confident, you feel excited. It's like a, like for a sports fan, the draft is like going downstairs on Christmas morning. You might get a pair of socks, but for 30 seconds when you're ripping open the box, you love whatever's in that box. Like the anticipation and the suspension is almost more exciting than the actual gift itself. That's why I decided to pick the NBA draft. And yes, of course, I have to sort of divert and go in my little Charlotte Hornets direction because for someone like me, I see a Charlotte team that has four good young players and seeing Charlotte struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle. I think they're finally starting to turn a bit of a corner and the fact that they're not, this isn't the DJ Augustine, Corey McGetty, Ben Gordon days when you have Terry Rozier averaging 18 a game, Devontae Graham averaging 18 a game, PJ Washington averaging 12 and a half, Miles Bridges averaging 13 a game. You had someone like James Wiseman and all of a sudden, you maybe have a borderline East contending team. There's nothing more exciting for a sports fan who sees years of monotony and years of garbage sees that change. You finally start to see that spiral up back toward contention. I remember when I say this, I remember uh, when you were so excited when the Red Wings hired Iserman. It's the same thing. I was looking forward to that NBA draft, too. So my Pistons, not your Charlotte Hornets, get that point guard of the future, whether it's uh, Cole Anthony, maybe LaMelo Ball. We'll see if they win the lottery, but it's up to chance at this point. But NBA draft, definitely kind of like the, the NFL draft, which, you know, took on a different format and was pretty successful in its remote format. Kind of the buildup to the NBA draft is, is something we're going to have to see if the NBA does it as well as the NHL was, or excuse me, NHL, NFL was able to do it. But my next sporting event that was canceled or delayed due to the pandemic is the Masters. Now, this is a delayed event because the Masters is still going to happen, I believe, in November. It's going to look significantly different. There's going to be autumn leaves on the trees. It's going to be a little chillier. Players are going to be in those long sleeve shirts. But the Masters is an event that I look forward to. It's, it's, it's part of the, the best time of year as a sports fan. You think of the Masters. You think of the NCAA tournament. You think of playoff hockey, playoff basketball. You think of March Madness. The Masters, obviously a multi-day sporting event. You can sit in your lecture, watch it on your phone, enjoy you know the, the par three contest on Wednesday, and then on Thursday and Friday, the, the opening rounds. And then as the field narrows down, obviously seeing Tiger win it was a, was a thrill you know, not long ago. But he, you know, I was looking forward to seeing him compete again this year because he was healthy and ready to go. But the Masters... Something that I'm going to have to wait for, and we're all going to have to wait for, which is, is no fun, obviously. November is still many months away. But the sting of that weekend coming to be and, and watching old Masters tournaments you know, on television, it, it, it had a little extra sting. And for someone who's not a golf fan, I can never quite understand the sort of hype surrounding golf. But I also know that as someone who likes NASCAR, most people – in Michigan would probably think that I'm an idiot for getting attached to NASCARs I have over the years. And obviously the last one that I'm going to pick is one that every Michigan state fan can relate to. And that's the NCAA tournament. You're going to make me start crying over here. Because I know that every one of those 64 teams that would have made it 
would have said, you know what? I think this was our year. I think that this was the year we could have finally raised a banner. And no, I'm not going to be Isaiah Livers here and make it sound like we could have made a run when really we couldn't have. I feel like this was Michigan State's, if not their year, as good of a chance as any. When you are hitting your stride at that point, we saw John Beeline be a master of this. You'd spend your last month, late February, early March, getting ready, and you use those five, six last conference games as a tipping point before you get into the Big Ten tournament and before you get into the big games. And what I saw, and I don't think anybody can dispute this, Cassius was Cassius. Xavier Tillman, who had been a monster all year, was playing like Hakeem Olajuwon. It seemed every game was 15 and 10, 16 and 10. For God's sakes, they go down to Penn State, and he has, what, 22 and 15, 22 and 16, something along those lines. So it wasn't just those two, because the entire story of Michigan State's season was, okay, we can rely on Cassius, we can rely on Tillman, who's going to be that third scorer? Who is going to be that guy that's going to relieve some of the pressure in case one of these two has an off day? And what I saw was Rocket Watts finally showing why he was a high-rated four-star recruit out of Spire. Him getting 15 to 20 points a game. He was using his quickness. He was using his agility. And he has that X factor. I mean, he banks two threes against Ohio State and proceeds to go for 20. Okay, I mean, this is what we have been waiting for from Watts, the most promising recruit that Michigan State had in that class of Malik Hall and Julius Marble and, of course, Rocket. And then even Aaron Henry, who had disappeared for large portions, especially in the earlier portion of the year. There was a tweet I saw, and I can't remember who, can, who composed it, but I, it was a while back. But I remember thinking of this when I was writing this into the script because Henry was averaging 14, 6, and 5, it seemed, every game. And that tweet said, those 14, 6, and 5 games that Henry was having, you could not underestimate how big of an impact he had. He looked like he was finally starting to put it all together. And Aaron Henry is someone from Michigan State who when he is on, you cannot stop him. Because if nothing else, he gives you one of the best defenses out on the wing out of any player in the country, regardless of who it's against. But I really did feel like Michigan State was in prime position, regardless of the draw, regardless if they were a three or a two seed and they were in Gonzaga's region or Duke's region or Dayton and Obi Toppin's region. I don't care. Because... You combine those four really good players, all four of those players, I think you can make an argument, have an NBA career with Tom Izzo, Mr. March, and eight Final Fours and going to the NCAA tournament, it seems, every year since the beginning of time. I don't know how you can make an argument that they weren't hitting their stride. I mean, it seemed they were dead to right only a couple weeks after they had lost to Maryland, and they were three games behind trying to win the conference. And then you go on the road and beat Penn State. You beat Iowa at home and you shut down Luka Garza, relatively speaking. You go and you beat a top five Maryland team on the road. I mean, not only did they win the conference, but they were smashing sweet 16 potential team after sweet 16 potential team. And that's why I chose the NCAA tournament because this, for me, is going to be the year of what if for Michigan State. And with everything that's gone on with Zachary Winston, with, Z uh, with Xavier Tillman adding another member to his beautiful family, what a story it would have been. That would have been the camper on maybe the most memorable season in Michigan State basketball history. I was at the Breslin Center for the, the last game of the regular season, Michigan State, Ohio State, on senior night when Cassius hit, you know, kissed the Spartan head in the middle of the court and, and the seniors were sent off. Not a dry eye, I can imagine, yeah. Not a dry eye in the entire place. But the thing that makes me have not have a dry eye right now in thinking about Michigan State is the fact that like, like you touched on a lot, hitting their stride. You want to talk about the, the contributions from secondary players like Mark Rocket Watts, the best nickname in college basketball. Aaron Henry starting to get aggressive on the offensive end to, to pair with his defense. You know, Anthony Cowan saying, you know, this week that Maryland guard Anthony Cowan, who is also graduating, saying that Aaron Henry was the toughest player to go up against in the Big Ten. You know, it was tough. It was a tough pill to swallow and a tough pill to swallow for impact as well. Natalie Kerwin, Julian Mitchell, who we mentioned already, uh, co-host of the Green and White Report and sports editor Trent Valley, along with Ian Gilmore, 
They were uh, they were getting ready to go down to the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis. That was obviously put on hold. Our NCAA tournament plans were put on hold, but we're hoping to get back at it next year with a, a big travel budget and hopefully football goes. But for our last sporting events that was canceled or delayed due to the pandemic, I'm going to go with the NHL playoffs. Personally, one of my favorite times of the year. Hockey, one of my favorite sports. Love college hockey, love the NHL. And the NHL playoffs is, is just a different time. It's just a different level for these teams. This is, you know, a playoff tournament when you can be, you know, one through an eight seed in a respective conference and still have a relatively equal shot at winning the Stanley Cup. You've seen it so many times with thinking about, like, the Washington Capitals, the Los Angeles Kings, teams that have made deep runs. I know the National Predators made a run to the Cup, eventually losing to Pittsburgh as a, as a I believe, eight seed in the West. But the NHL playoffs, the intensity is high. They'll bang on each other for an entire seven-game series and then shake hands at the end. It's just more intensity, some of the most intense moments you'll see in sports. Obviously, the NHL playoffs, this is something that's delayed, so we could eventually see it. Once again, though, my Red Wings, just like my Pistons, aren't going to be seeing the playoffs, so I wouldn't be personally enjoying them. Well, you want to talk some Michigan State football? It seems like we've been waiting to do that for a long time. We'll, we'll, we'll go on to some more happy thoughts instead of uh, sporting events that were canceled or delayed. Going into a little bit of Michigan State football, like you mentioned, not a ton going on for the Spartans in the pandemic on the gridiron, but off the gridiron, new head coach Mel Tucker and company have been burning up the recruiting trail, the 30th nationally ranked recruiting class and the ninth ranked recruiting class in the Big Ten according to 24-7 Sports. Mel Tucker and his new formed staff at Michigan State putting an emphasis on college-ready players in terms of their size, their physicality. You've seen the measurables. You've seen the jokes on Twitter about how big all of these new recruits are. Tucker and company have, have embraced recruiting in the pandemic. They've gotten creative in a tough time, and they're out recruiting Mark D'Antonio's final years at Michigan State. What are some of your biggest takeaways from the recruiting period, the strange recruiting period, as Tucker continues to navigate the pandemic? Before I say anything else, I think it's really revealing that Michigan State only had seven commits last year, and Mel Tucker already has 12. I mean, during a pandemic, guy with no track record of being at Michigan State has more commits than a Rose Bowl winning and Cotton Bowl winning coach. So at least for me, that signifies the extraordinary effort, the appeal, he gets it. Mel Tucker understands what it takes on a fundamental level to bring recruits in and to find a way to appeal to the youth and to promise them, yes, you are going to have a part in this program. There's just a new voice, a new aura, if you will, surrounding Michigan State football. And as you said, the people that Michigan State re has recruited and gotten commits from are men. These are not little boys. I mean, these are big, strong young men who could play tomorrow. Honest to God, they don't have a guy that's shorter than six feet. And mind you, they have corners. They have safety. So it's not like every commit that they've gotten is a safety or, a, or excuse me, is a linemen or a defensive tackle but when you look down the commit board you I mean just let's start off with Tyson Watson out of Warren Mott 6'6 270 Charles Brantley who's a corner six feet 160 Ethan Boyd right from East Lansing Michigan and East Lansing High School 6'7 285 you go down the list and it's 6'5 6'4 6'3 220 250 280 300 so these are guys that at least from a physical aspect could come in tomorrow and compete with guys who have been in that strength and conditioning program at Michigan State for a couple of years. I mean, I know that they're raw around the edges, and obviously you have another year and a year and college football time and college football preparation times forever, but at least for me, with Michigan State being ranked – I believe we have it pulled up right here, but with being ranked 30th in the country, and they were 20th, mind you, they haven't gotten to come in in a couple of days, but you look up and down the list and there's not one recruit that's like a high five star, a high four star that you point to and say, yup, we know who's going to be a star. 
but it's just a numbers game. If you recruit 25 three-stars and you get a commit from 25 three-stars, chances are three or four of them are going to be pretty good. So I just, I don't think enough can be said about Mel Tucker. Okay. You're 30th in the nation. You're ninth in the big 10 recruiting wise. And D'Antonio last year, I believe was 43rd and the year before that he was 33rd. So he's beating out one of the best coaches that Michigan State's ever seen during a pandemic. He can't even visit with these guys. So at least for me, I don't know how you can give him anything but an A+. Plus. I think, too, you know, even beyond the measurables, beyond the rankings of this Michigan State football 2021 recruiting class put together by new head coach Mel Tucker, even beyond the size of these guys and the rankings, he is recruiting to positions of need for this Michigan State football team. You think about – the, the biggest positions of need after the 2019 season, you think mainly offensive line and defensive backs. You go, you look down this list of recruits that we have pulled up in front of us. You think of guys like Ethan Boyd, the offensive tackle that you mentioned, the six, seven offensive tackle from East Lansing, Michigan. And then all of the, the defensive backs as well, Charles Brantley out of Florida, Michael Gravely Jr. from Cleveland, you know, Gabe Neely. We can talk about him in a moment and, and his potential future at Michigan state. But the positions of need on the Spartan team that were pretty glaring after last year are being addressed in this first recruiting class by Mel Tucker. And, you know, even a couple of interesting projects as well. Hamp Fay, quarterback from Fort Worth, Texas, pro-style quarterback, 6'5", 210, big arm, big measurables. He's graded out as a three-star, number 35 quarterback position-wise in the country, once again, according to 24-7 Sports. But he's a guy with a healthy senior year can potentially jump up to being a four-star. But some nice pieces, you know, Davion Prim, six-foot, 201 running back out of Oak Park, Michigan, another highly ranked three-star, a tough physical runner that's going to be a nice add to the running back room for Mel Tucker and this Michigan State staff. But you think of the, of the guys they're recruiting, they're filling positions of need. It's more of a yeah, – these are talented physical guys, but they're also – fitting the puzzle really well for Mel Tucker. You have to commend him for that. You do because he's bringing in guys, okay? You can't necessarily control who Ohio State gets on the recruiting trail, who Wisconsin, who Michigan does. But what you can control is the style of football that you play, that smash, that smash mouth, backyard football sort of style. And you can run sort of what Wisconsin and Iowa run which is you might have five five-star recruits and we might have two, but we are going to be mentally tougher than you. And when you bring guys in that are this big and this strong, all they do is further contribute to that program notion, to that program mentality, to the Spartan mentality that was lacking from these teams the last two or three years of. We are going to physically manhandle you. We might not score 50 points, but we're going to take eight minutes off the clock and we are going to make you want to quit. We are going to make you regret ever coming into Spartan Stadium. And every single young man that I see on this list, I think has the potential to do that for Michigan State. Obviously, you mentioned Ham Fay and him staying healthy. He's a three-star, okay? And he didn't play half the season. He's a junior year. But yet he has 10 touchdowns to one interception. And this is in Texas, mind you. Where college foot or where high school football is a religion. So every guy that they have, I think, has the potential to be a four star. Like we're just looking at these three stars now, but chances are, I wouldn't be, chances are maybe a quarter of them jump up to this four star ranking. And that wouldn't surprise me at all. Kind of wrapping up our discussion on Michigan State football recruiting, one of the more prized recruits in this class and one of the more vocal recruits in this class from the moment he committed to Mel Tucker at Michigan State. Defensive back Gabe Neely out of Gulliver Prep in Miami, Florida. Another three-star, a 6'4", 175-pound defensive back, listed as a safety by 24-7, but played out on an island as a corner for most of his junior year. Gabe Neely, very vocal on social media about his fellow Spartan recruits, very vocal about being passionate toward the university and Mel Tucker and the program he's looking to build. But recently... The, the social media flair has diminished a little bit. You know, you think of like his profile picture, you know, the, the way he will tweet. He is not officially decommitted from the Spartans yet, but his tone has changed a little bit. We're not here to speculate or, 
or spread false rumors, but it's definitely notable to see his, his fire and passion for the university kind of decline over the past couple of weeks. And I wrote it for people that don't believe anything that, and that's understandable if you don't believe anything that me and Luke are saying, I think obviously, especially me being the talking chatterbox that I am, but I wrote an article for Impact 89F on, and it says, Gabe Neely, Gabe Spida Neely, because that's his nickname, possibly recommits and opens up his recruiting again. And it's not me saying he's definitely going to. I can't make that clear enough. But what I do, do think is interesting is, as you said, okay, several weeks ago, he committed only a month ago, and he was sent tweet after tweet after tweet about how he was excited to be a Spartan, how he was going to be a difference maker at Michigan State, how he was going to restore the honor of Michigan State by beating Michigan year after year after year. And then he starts, he sent a tweet, and I think he's since deleted it, but says, I need time to think. And then what happens is he starts tweeting the schools that he had offers from. Normally, you when you accept a scholarship offer, you're not seeing Derek Harmon. You're not seeing Hamp Fay tweeting Maryland and Rutgers who offered them. Like, once you commit, that's kind of it. You're tweeting your own position coaches. You're still not really tweeting any of the other recruiters. And he starts doing that again. And for anybody that doesn't believe me, I encourage you to take a look at the article because I embedded all the tweets. I made sure that I wasn't just spouting nonsense with no sort of factual basis. But I think it's worth looking into because he's been kind of quiet. And, of course, we haven't seen that official sort of uh, like your phone, like post-it note thing that they'll normally do when they decommit, when it's some sort of long, lengthy thing that looks like they wrote it on the little post-it feature under the notes app on your iPhone. But that's something I'm definitely looking out for in the next couple of days. The status of Gabe Neely as a Michigan State Spartan recruit will look a little bit clear, hopefully in the coming weeks and coming months for Mel Tucker and the Spartans. Obviously, He's one of Michigan State's prized recruits and a real ambassador for that class as he and his family navigates the pandemic. You know, Neely potentially thinking, you know, second, you know, having second thoughts about potentially going so far away from Florida, maybe wanting to stay closer to his family. But that situation will definitely become clearer for Mel Tucker and company as the as the weeks progress and the class continues to get bigger. But from one Michigan State team on the rise in Mel Tucker's football team to another, Tom Izzo's Michigan State men's basketball team. Lots of news for, for Michigan State and, uh, and Tom Izzo. Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal this past Wednesday had a, an exclusive interview with Tom Izzo. One of the discussion topics was senior guard Joshua Langford and a potential return for Joshua Langford for the Spartans in the 2020-2021 season. Directly quoting Izzo, in the interview with Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal, Izzo said on Wednesday, if he's healthy, his hope is to play. It'd be nice for him. To what level he'd play, I don't know. But what I can tell you, last fall, he was good. I lost my second best player. There's no question. Obviously, for Spartan fans everywhere, Michigan State fans and the hopefuls of, of basketball, Joshua Langford, he last saw the court in 2018 for the Spartans as a true junior. He was part of that prized recruiting class coming in, played on teams with Cassius Winston, Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson Jr., these throwback Michigan State teams. Last saw the court alongside Winston in 2018 as a junior, averaged 15 points per game, shot 40% from three, and was one of the better defenders on the team, as, as pointed out by Izzo many times. But a Langford return was you know, not seen as something that could be a possibility as this team prepared for the NCAA tournament. He was honored on senior night along with Cassius Winston, Connor George, and, and the senior class. You know, every, you know there, he was obviously an emotional finish to his Michigan State career, but it might not be a finish to his Michigan State career after all. What would a Langford return mean for Tom Izzo's Spartan team? See, for me, this is really, really hard to answer because it seems like we've been talking about this the last year and a half, two years. We talked about this last year. What would a healthy Langford mean? after he misses that junior year of his. And we thought going into this year that it was going to be him at the two guard and that Michigan State would be a perennial Final Four national championship contender. And that number one ranking 
that Michigan State had in the AP poll earlier was intrinsically tied to having Langford as one of the big three of Michigan State, of, of course, that being Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman, and Langford. So I obviously it would behoove them to have a healthy Langford because right now Michigan State's depth in the backcourt is scary. Like, scary from a bad aspect, not from a good aspect. I mean, nothing against Foster Lawyer, nothing against Hoggard coming in, but outside of Rocket Watts, I don't know who else you can honestly say I trust to start unequivocally. I mean, I, Foster Lawyer showed a lot of flashes last year, but he also struggled on defense quite a bit. And there's a reason why toward the end of the season, he wasn't getting more than five minutes a game. And if you put Langford at that two-guard position, not only do you have a player coach out on the floor who's going to be able to get everybody in line, especially if Winston and Tillman leave, but you just – your depth chart is that much stronger. You can move Gabe Brown to the two. You can move Gabe Brown back to his more natural position at the three. So, at least for me, I just have such a hard time imagining – how this ends up. You can call me a pessimist, whatever you want, but I just have a really hard time believing that you can get your leg that structurally healthy because everything that he has gone through the last year and a half, two years, at least signifies to me that perhaps his body's given him all he can handle. And obviously he knows that better than I do, but we saw the same thing with Kyle Lawrence, who was limited throughout the entire year with injuries, his body gave out on him. That's nothing against him. That's nothing against his mentality. In fact, Langford's stronger mentally than either one of us, I would venture to say. But I just, everything that, you know, any, any podcast host would say, oh, it gives them scoring. Oh, it gives them veteran leadership. Oh, it gives them a player coach. I just think you have to be a little realistic. And the fact is, is those quote says, if he's healthy, if you have all these setbacks, and then you have to answer the question, how is he going to get healthy during this virus? Is he able to go see his trainer? Is he having to do a lot of his rehab at home? So there's just a lot of question marks if we're going to talk about this. So at least for me, my sincerest hope is that he will do whatever is best for him. I don't say that as anything more than a caring human being because he has given this program absolutely everything that Izzo, that Michigan State fans could ever ask him for. So I, I, I just think we're just really going to have to wait and see. I, I mean, we're not really going to have an answer probably for another couple months about what he wants to do. I mean, there's no chance he goes pro. He didn't declare for the draft. So he's not on the same timetable that Aaron Henry and Tillman are, and he's going to weigh his options. And Izzo said multiple times, he's not in a hurry. He's going to see how his rehab goes, and I can't imagine that we're really going to see what he decides to do regarding his next steps until the COVID virus at least has subsided. So, in Izzo's interview with Graham Couch on Wednesday, the the main basis of his of chat with Langford, like you mentioned, is his medical history. Obviously, his last two seasons at Michigan State plagued by injuries, and you know Izzo says he doesn't know. A lot of stuff is up in the air. But if he is healthy, he's going to give him a shot to play. Izzo says that he thinks he owes him a shot to play with how much he's battled through mentally and physically in his last couple of years with the Spartans. But kind of putting aside thinking about the, the health of, of Langford, his fit on the court with the Spartans, if he is healthy and ready to go, would be a good one. Obviously, like you mentioned, this team in the backcourt looking for additional depth. They've been looking for transfers, probing the market, probing the transfer portal throughout the offseason. A Langford return will be big for this backcourt. Back you talk about moving Rocket Watts away from the two-guard spot where he was for the majority of last season alongside Cassius Winston in the backcourt, sliding Langford in, putting Rocket Watts back on the ball like he played mainly in high school at Spire. And it would be a bonus because, you know, you mentioned, you know, Izzo mentioned in his, in his quotes with uh, Couch, it was his second best player headed into last year talking about Josh Langford. His ability to be a 3-and-D player, a 3-and-D wing, which would be very valuable to this team kind of playing positionless basketball like they did at certain points last year ahead in the tournament the year before that. It'd be big to get a Langford return. And you want to talk about veteran leadership as well. 
potentially losing Xavier Tillman to the NBA draft, losing Cassius Winston to the draft, another Spartan that is going to go to the draft as his eligibility is up. You know, his on-court leadership will be a big plus for a team that will probably need it next year. Let's talk about Xavier Tillman. We we brought his name off a couple times. We should probably give him his own segment. Xavier Tillman said last week in an interview he is 50-50 on a potential return to East Lansing, the reigning Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. He's projected as a first-round selection in most NBA mock drafts. You think ESPN, The Athletic, other outlets. Projected to be a first-round selection, kind of a 3-and-D big man who can guard multiple positions. In that interview with Graham Couch, Izzo said he would like to see Xavier Tillman work on his shot on a potential return. Thinking about Xavier Tillman, thinking about also Aaron Henry. Aaron Henry kind of surprisingly decided to test the NBA draft waters, not hiring an agent. Xavier Tillman also not hiring an agent, so both players retained their eligibility. But Xavier Tillman and Aaron Henry – Two players other than Joshua Langford that have been popping up in the news for Michigan State and Tom Izzo. What are the what is the future outlook for both of these players in basketball, whether it be on the Spartans or potentially professionally? Xavier Tillman is a guy for me that I can't see a scenario really in which he comes back. I know he's 50-50, but if you're a young father and you have an opportunity to get the money, so to speak, and if you're a first-round pick, chances are you're going to get a very good salary. You got to go get it. I mean, he's one good workout away, one special night away from really never, get, really never having to worry about providing for his family anymore. And if you come back to Michigan State, obviously, Izzo, obviously you and me, everybody would be thrilled and welcome back with open arms. But you risk injury like you see with Zion Williamson. You risk that sort of thing. And – I just think if he's a first round anywhere, he has to go. And I don't think it's crazy to say, yes, there are things he can improve on, but I don't see a world in which if he's, let's say, a 27th projected pick right now, I don't know if he's good enough to get in the top 10. I think we're at a point where what Xavier Tillman is is exactly what he is. He's a very mature young man for his age. He's a very gritty player. He's someone you're not going to have to worry about. He's going to come in with all the mental aspects off the charts, his high basketball IQ. He's going to be a good rebounder, but he his low post scoring was inconsistent at times, and especially his outside shot from beyond the arc was extremely inconsistent. So at least for me, I see Tillman, when he does go pro, because he will go pro, is probably a second center like, I think he's definitely a guy that can carve out a career for several years and sort of a veteran, sort of tough and gritty guy on a second unit. And as far as Aaron Henry, and I've told you this, you know, just in small talk, he declared like 12 hours before the deadline was over. I mean, that's kind of all you need to know, I think, about where his mentality lies because – I don't see a world in which he could go pro right now. I mean, every single mock draft doesn't have him on the big board, first and foremost. And if I'm a scout, what can, what have I seen from Aaron Henry that makes me think that he's anything more than a G League player? I mean, yes, he's a phenomenal 3 and D defender, but 10 points a game, four and a half rebounds. I mean, he was kind of the fourth wheel – for the latter part of the season, he never got to be the guy. At least you can say Xavier Tillman and Cassius Winston were kind of both the guy, if you want to use that term. Aaron Henry disappeared for large games of the year. I mean, look at the year against Duke. First, one of the first games, he had two points. Was nowhere to be found. And it was not really until that Nebraska game where he went off and had a double-digit scoring performance, where you really started to see Henry put it together. Before that, it was just off and on, off and on. The defense was always there, and at least for me, I think his jump shot could use a lot of work. And he's the kind of guy that needs to get out of his own head. He's so good, and he has so much potential. But by the same token, Izzo said multiple times that in order to get Henry going, he has to be yelled at. Like, Izzo needs to get him going, and I don't know if that's really a good trait that coaches and GMs and all these draft personnel are going to be happy about. 
thinking about the future of both these players, at least in my mind, and specifically the draft future, focusing a little bit more on that than their future as Michigan State Spartans. First off, you know, thinking of Xavier Tillman, you know, a lot of the same things that you mentioned. Xavier Tillman has valuable tools that would be good for an NBA contender. You know, Izzo mentioned working on his shot, but he knocked down threes on a consistent basis last year and was the obviously the, 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 the reigning Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, all Big Ten second team. He had a great year on both ends of the ball as kind of a 3 and D big. You know, thinking about an NBA comparison, I think of a big man for the Los Angeles Clippers, formerly of the Oklahoma City Thunder and Toronto Raptors, Patrick Patterson, a guy that potentially can play the four. He can slide to the five if need be, even, you know, play in a bigger lineup as a three, someone who can guard multiple spots, guard multiple big men, guys of different size in the NBA, and, and knock down a three, knock down a spot-up shot. On the other end, I do think he needs to work on his shot a little bit more. It improved from his sophomore to his junior year, but I do agree with Izzo that that is a critique of his. But I think he could be a good fit on a contender, whether it be a Los Angeles Lakers team, even on a Clippers team, or a Raptors team, kind of, you know, those contenders that are going to be at, in the late first round where he would potentially be drafted. I don't see Xavier Tillman as a, a long-term starter in the NBA, but definitely – a valuable piece, kind of like a Patrick Patterson to a contending team, can make spot starts, can definitely be a valuable role player off the bench. And then thinking about Aaron Henry, I mean, to, to put a bow on the Xavier Tillman situation, I, I, I'm in his corner declaring for the NBA draft and, and going and eventually, you know, not returning to Michigan State. He would make money in the NBA. He would end up on a contender late in the first round, and he'd play a valuable role in a good situation. I think it would be best for Tillman to not return to East Lansing and go to the NBA, but opposite with Aaron Henry, Aaron Henry really turned it on at the end of last year, but not enough in my opinion to fully test the NBA draft waters and fully declare for the draft. I think this for him will, will be a valuable process for him. He can be evaluated by NBA scouts and NBA general managers. They can give him critiques, tell him different things to do that can improve his game and headed into his junior year at Michigan state, he can take that coaching, take more coaching from Tom Izzo kind of step up into a bigger role on the team and potentially, you know, be a first round pick coming out of his junior year if everything goes right. But I think Aaron Henry, this is going to be a valuable time for him. I don't think there's a chance he goes to the NBA draft. I think he definitely stays, but in terms of my opinions on both the players, Xavier Tillman, I think it'd be wise for him to go become a Patrick Patterson 3 and D versatile big man in the NBA on a contender's bench. And then Aaron Henry, a valuable process for him right now, testing the draft waters, but coming back to Michigan state for his junior year, I think will be the wise decision for the Indianapolis native. Can't believe we're already at the final segment. Oh, it makes me sad. An ode to Michigan state athletes who lost their spring seasons. We have a couple quick shout outs for Michigan state spring athletes that have lost their senior seasons due to the shutdown due to the COVID-19 global pandemic. Nathan, I'll let you go first, but thinking about spring seasons for Michigan State athletic teams, baseball, softball, golf, you know, just to name a couple sports. We have a couple athletes in particular, but we, we lost the ability to cover these teams for the, the latter half of the semester. You know, a lot of these teams lost the chance, like baseball and softball, to play at home. But due to, uh, you know, NCAA rules, Seniors can gain another year of eligibility, but without further ado, I'll let you uh, give your ode to a Michigan State athlete, and then I'll follow with mine. Why, thank you, good sir. So one of my favorite moments about being with Impact was my opportunity to cover softball last year, because that was really the first opportunity I had to be a beat reporter. And for all those of you who don't know, a beat reporter is, in essence, a reporter who specializes in one sport, whereas a general assignment is more of a reporter who just kind of goes around. They, they do a little bit of everything. They're sort of a jack of all trades. So with softball being my specialty, it, it sometimes, if I'm being frank, was kind of hard to, to watch the team last year going 16 and 34. They struggled a lot. They struggled with fundamentals. But one junior who I would like to give a shout out to is Katie Ladd, who last year I saw really grow into – an all big 10 player. And she ended up finishing second team, all big 10 last season, banning 299 with 38 RBIs, which led the team in this year. She picks up right where she left off last year, banning 322, two home runs, 
13 RBIs. She has been one of the lone bright spots on what has been a couple choppy years for the Spartans before the COVID-19 shutdown really kind of put a hamper on their season. They were only 6 and 16. And Michigan State softball was losing to teams like Fordham, like Southern Illinois, like UMass Lowell, like Nebraska, Omaha, like Montana. So those aren't schools that a Big Ten school should be losing to. And when you are losing to schools like that, it can be hard to stay in, in it mentally because you've already played yourself out of an at-large NCAA tournament berth before the, regular, before the uh, conference seasons even began. So at least for me, I think that speaks to her character, that speaks to her ability, and she's been a lone bright spot on a rough team, and I think she really deserves credit for that. Speaking from a selfish standpoint, in, in the shoes of yourself and, and myself, as, as student media not being able to cover you know, softball and baseball in the spring has definitely been hard, but that is a hint for my pick to, for my Michigan State athlete that I will give credit to who lost their spring season. Baseball player, infielder, Bailey Peterson. Peterson played second base, was the starting second baseman on this year's Michigan State Spartans team. A, a, a Spartan team that was performing better than last year. They really struggled last year, especially early in the season. They really turned it around early in the year this year. But Bailey Peterson, a senior, he will return next year for another year of eligibility. So he will get a shot at redemption. But Peterson led the team with a robust 441 batting average and 15 runs batted in before the shutdown, hitting right in the middle of that order for skipper Jake Boss Jr., being productive, driving in runs, and getting on base for his teammates, plus playing solid defense at second base. Peterson was a guy who lost the majority of his junior season due to injuries. His comeback was a strong one, and you look for a guy like Peterson to come back once again when he takes advantage of another year of eligibility. But wrapping up things, talking about the NCAA, that'll be our last segment on this temporary edition of the Green and White Report from Celine, Michigan, remotely. But talking, looking toward the future, NCAA allowing athletes to resume voluntary workouts effective June 1st, but of course in accordance with state and local laws. The NBA, Major League Baseball, and others inching toward a return. We're starting to get closer to sports and practicing and, and you know, eventually getting some competition for you know, college sports in the fall and professional sports like the NBA, potentially the NHL, and Major League Baseball here in the summer. I know that. It's going to sound silly to say, obviously, in light of COVID, nothing's ever going to replace the loss of lives, and nothing is going to replace economic disfortune that has hurt countless American families. But sports is a unique way for people of every creed, every ethnicity, every nationality to come together in this very divided society, in this very partisan society, and we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. There have been countless historical examples of sport, of using sport as a way to bring people together during a really, really rough time. You look at the Boston Red Sox and the Boston bombing. The 2001 New York Yankees after the World Trade Center collapsed. And I think as a sportscaster, of course I want to get back in the station. Of course I want to cover games. But I don't think it's crazy to say this country needs sports. This country needs something good for once. Because all you are hearing every single day is America's approaching 100,000 COVID deaths. 25% of Americans have been laid off and there's rampant economic displacement. So at least for those two or three hours, Americans need something to be happy about, something to take their mind off and give them a little bit of hope. And that's what sports provides. And we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like for that long period of time, it seemed that everything in life, regardless of who you were, everything that you heard was doom and gloom. But I think we're starting to get to the point where, of course, we're not out of the tunnel, but you're starting to see that light on the horizon toward a better future that I think everybody's been really looking forward. And as journalists and, and sports fans everywhere can all agree, we're inching closer to the, the, you know, the restart of sports, and, and we can't wait to, to get back into it as reporters and as journalists, especially for impacts. But that'll do it for this alternative version of the Green and White Report. Be sure to stay tuned in the coming weeks as we rotate more co-hosts in 
you get to meet more personalities of the, the impact sports department and, and get to hear some different takes, do some different topics and, and, and really get into some interesting stuff, both Michigan state and professionally in the coming weeks, as we continue to wait to, for this show to become live and we can sneak back in the station, but a happy Memorial day to everybody out there listening. Hope everyone is staying safe, staying healthy and, and being connected to their family. But once again, That'll do it for this temporary edition, temporary format of the Green and White Report. Thank you, guys, and have a great Memorial Day. You have been listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM. For all your sports news and notes, go to impact89fm.org sports. <laughs>